Hello film fans, welcome to the Film vs Film podcast, my name is Martin Harries, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema, or on VOD, myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, and we battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time, according to two film geeks from Wiltshire, England. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. This week we are talking about the Danish legend that is Mads Mikkelsen. He made his name as uh, the villain in Daniel Craig's first Bond film as Le Chiffre in Casino mm. Royale. Um, as ever, I'm joined by the Mr. Encyclopedia Man, that is Mr. Boaz Dix. How yeah. are you, sir? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, he was the uh, one that scratched James Bond's <laughs> yes, testicles. As you uh, pointed out at the end of last week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very correctly, of course. Yeah. I think I'll always remember him like that. That <laughs> yeah, oh, should be dear. on his gravestone. All right. Scratched. James Bond. We're not even a minute in, and we've already mentioned balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you have a guest called the called Dicks, you know, Boris Dicks. You know, we're always going to talk about general. Anyway, uh, interestingly, both our picks don't involve Mads Mikkelsen as a villain, which is kind of cool, actually. As my pick is a western he did called The Salvation. This film is kind of just a very like fairly low budget. Uh, western shot digitally uh, a, a danish western actually from christian levering and it stars eva green as well jeffrey dean morgan and a footballer oh yeah yeah it does uh, i've literally just forgotten his name now <laughs> the, the french one eric Cantona. there you go yeah there we go. uh yeah so this one is about this danish soldier called john he's bringing his family over to the to america and as as he as they travel on a stagecoach to his homestead, they're traveling with two outlaws that have have just been released from jail, and they kill his wife and uh, son, and basically he takes revenge on on the people responsible. Really, it's it's just a very like simple revenge story in a western setting. Very simple and just really cool. Yeah, just really stylized, and I, you know, quite quite enjoyed it. Um, I think when we were going to do this, I didn't really think about it too much. I was just like, "Oh, Western, oh, Mads Mikkelsen, and Western." I'm picking that one, <laughs> the Salvation. So, let's talk directing first. What What did you think about the directing, Boaz? Yeah, I thought it was really nice. Uh, a lot of, you know, I think it's almost a requirement in a Western. You've got to have wide shots of like uh, the environment and. Uh, and do you know what I mean? The the, the sort of um, desolate vibe yeah. from it. Yeah, I love the like the moonlit scene. Actually, you know, after his family gets killed in the coach, and he's like running after the coach. Yeah, you know, and he finds his son, and and it just all looks really stylized. A very interesting like moonlit night scenes with the cinematography. It doesn't look terribly natural, <laughs> but I think you get used to that fairly quickly. And there's a kind of a really um, ominous reveal of of like Marie's leg in like this in the in a toilet as we call it. You just see her leg, and that was it. As Mads approaches, you know, the toilet from the um, as the camera's like inside it. But there was one bit in that scene where the lighting just didn't look natural at all. <laughs> I was just mm. like, hmm. <laughs> where's the moonlight here? <laughs> it's yeah. it's like completely lit. You know, there's no like dark shadows at all on him really it was just like yeah. hmm alright <laughs> didn't look amazing there but a lot of the other shots I quite enjoyed that, that uh, moonlit style yeah I felt with the cinematography like the saturation is quite high on a lot of like the landscapes it's, there's a lot of like orange and teal uh, in there well you know very you know a lot of bright browns if you know what I mean you know yeah. which kind of give it gives it that very earthy feel I think Mm. Um, there's a few shots I quite liked. The reveal of Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, Henry Delarue. Uh, there's when he jumps off the horse. There's an amazing w- with his like amazing dust coat. You know that mm. like amazing uh, 
I don't know what colour you'd call that. Maroon. I want that coat. <laughs> yeah. I want it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he jumps easy off. Easy Gollum. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He jumps off the horse right into to camera shot and it kind of tilts right up into the conversation uh, mm. with Jonathan Price. It's quite a nice uh, tilt there with we tracking shot up his body to reveal his character. Yeah, that was, good was quite nice. Yeah. You kind of like know immediately that this guy's the bad guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you remember the scene where the wife of the, you know, yeah, Eva Green, that's the one. So uh, she's the wife of the guy Mad Mickelson killed that, you know, raped his wife and killed his son. I like that kind yeah. of scene where she's like trying to get onto the train. One, it's like, I don't know, it was just really tense just how it was done, you know back and forth always mm-hmm. looking from her perspective at like the gunman and trying to get to the station and then onto the train and you're hearing yeah, um, quite good. yeah boot spurs behind her and she she turns around yeah, and freaks out <laughs> and it's it's just some guy with spurs and just the whole scene and uh, mm. and looking out the window and seeing horses just that whole scene had quite a lot of back and forth yeah quite like that the sort of paranoia you could get from the yeah. I like camera I, I basically liked any of the tracking shots involving boots and spurs <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just yeah, gets you right in the mood of a, of a west it just it's just a really satisfying sound <laughs> oh yeah it's amazing you know, of tension building you know mm. I think the the violence from Henry's character is really brutal at times. There's one particular scene where, like, the whole town has been gathered and he's addressing them all. Well, he doesn't talk to them. He just randomly shoots three people in the street. (laughs) Yeah. Just, you know, no chit-chat or anything. It's just brutal as hell, straight in the head. And it's just like, whoa, Mm. okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that guy is basically the devil. (laughs) Well, he basically said to them that if they don't find the killer in two hours, he's gonna mm. uh, he's gonna kill two people. It's like that's not enough yeah. time to find anybody, and so they bring him an old woman and a cripple, and he shoots mm. the cripple and the um, you know I'm not sure if that's politically correct or whatever. He can't use his leg. Yeah. <clears throat> shoots the guy and shoots the woman and then shoots some other guy, mm. and uh, I like the line where he says something like. Uh, you gave me an old woman and half a man. So, you know, that doesn't seem fair to me. So that other guy, he's on your yeah. head. And it's like, you know, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was expecting more of like, you know, a chit chat there and a bit more of a, some more menacing lines before he does it. But no, he's just like, nope. Just looks around and picks his three, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I suppose this is more on uh, to the, the screenplay part. I think, I, I, well... I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the camera work. I do like the fact that it does build up like sort of uh, tension in scenes and you know paranoia, basically. Yeah, um, you get that quite a few times. I think um, basically the the main thing I really want to talk about uh, about it, it, I suppose, falls more into the screenplay category. Okay. I quite like the screenplay, but um, um, and I've got nothing like special to say about like the camera work. You know, um, no, there's. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. I think there's a few like nice tracking shots. But yeah, there are nice tracking shots. Yeah, particularly and um, and I like yeah. uh, scenes again, which build sort of paranoia and tension. So like, oh, like for example, when he uh, he goes to the town, he collects his money, and then immediately you see gunmen all around him, and he's trying to run, and you know it's splicing and oh yeah, yeah. and what have you, and you get him. It's just a good usage of you know quite a lot of successive cuts between mm. the character panicking and his perspective of like the chaos going around him that really gets you that um yeah. oh my god he's in trouble and they do that quite a bit so when he's uh, hiding from them when uh, they've killed his brother as well and then they're dragging him around oh yeah yeah um, oh that bit was great yeah that yeah, was really oh. good and he's remaining hidden and you like from his perspective and like looking at him and just yeah it's really good and they do that quite a bit and as i said uh, probably one of my favorite scenes is uh, is just kind of tension. Just just the tension of it is, you know, the the lady on the train. I think that was um, really well done. So uh, that I would definitely prize it for. Uh, the action at the end is pretty cool as well. Um, that that was yeah. Done. There's yeah. That I quite like the well. action at the end. There's a really creative death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from yeah, one there of are the a guys. Few, there are a few really creative deaths. The kid who works in the shop, I think, that that um, insists on helping John, like take out all of Delarue's men and him and Delarue himself, obviously. And he's like on the roof. He sets himself on the roof, and he's got like a can of propane or something. And he and he shoots. 
shoots a guy from across the street and there's there's another goon i guess he doesn't realize he's in there yeah. he hears him uh you know move around and he slowly walks up to the upper floor and eric cantonar's there as well and he shoots him through the window uh yeah, through the roof. Through the roof. Through the roof. Through yeah. the roof. And then, you know, you it's like, clearly like hear completely him. It's per, like per, uh, you know, it's just like holes into him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Perforated in it. Just loads and loads of holes. And you think, okay. And you hear a, a smash. And you think it's going to be blood that's going to pour out of the holes. No. But it's, <laughs> yeah. It's you see the, the can come through. It's the, the fuel bottle he's got. Yeah. And uh, that fucking idiot is smoking. <laughs> and he goes up. See, the smoking kills. It's bad for yeah. you, man. <laughs> it's bad for you. And he gets burned alive. He gets and burned then, alive. And then Cantona just like, oh, for God's sake, and then yeah. just shoots him dead. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Shot him in the head. <laughs> Doesn't mess around. And uh, another really cool uh, death, or it was a maiming and then a death, is where uh, he's hiding in like um, like a horse stable I- or something like that, and he's blowing him away, uh, Mads Mickelson. And, oh, under the floorboards. Yeah, under the floorboards. And they, they're it, shooting yeah. for him and he disappears. This guy has oh, an inkling yeah. he might be under the floorboards of the stable and he puts his ear to the uh, floorboard and just... Boom! His eye, yeah. Yeah. His eye, yeah. yeah. And uh, Mad stabs him. Stabs I was just like, nah, yeah. I've yeah. seen too many... I've seen too many films where <laughs> <laughs> that happens. I thought it was cool. I was, I was like, yep, was he's going to get his... Yeah. No, I thought he no, was going to... Sh- I, mean, I like- thought he was going to shoot him. I thought he was going to shoot him with a gun. I thought, okay, he's going to come there and he's going to blow his head off. But no, he stabbed him in the head. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it was quite slow, you know, it took his time with that. And you're just like, yeah, he's going to he's going to lose his eye in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, I liked, as you mentioned before, when he's got that big rifle and the, he, he's shooting the guy when he's under the floorboards he's shooting a guy uh across from him because the bu- the barn is burning down you know and he sh- and there's a really nice quite a uh, quick push in you know along under the floorboards along his rifle to his eyes and then boom he shoots the guy several times i thought that was really nice and stylized and really cool yeah, yeah. moment so do you have a favorite shot Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I suppose this might be shot or maybe line, but you know where he was um, at the end, the bad guy's like uh, shot him in the shoulder and he's going to kill him. I think this might qualify as line. Um, and he was like, uh, you know, I underestimated you. You're a good soldier. You killed my men, but you won't kill. And then bang, he gets shot. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not letting <laughs> you finish your line. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I think I'll probably go with the burning guy. Because I didn't expect that, really. I thought it was just quite funny. Um, it was a cool death. The only was, uh, genuine, yeah. like, funny moment. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a pretty ingenious death. It, it was kind of, it's kind of funny and sad at the same time, because I thought, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. And then, you know, you realise, what was <laughs> it? It goes from Mad Mickelson's perspective, where he's blowing away people, and you see that the kid has fallen off the roof. So, you know, yeah, he did kill that guy in an awesome way, but he's dead, you know? Yeah. So what score would you give directing... I think I might give it a 7.2. It's just it's just generally because of I can't think of anything like too unique shot-wise or too like stand out, yeah. you know. It's still good. Still very well done. I mean there are some really nice um tracking shots and yeah, some really great camera work that just brings out this just western vibe because for me like westerns are not necessarily uh, historical films um mm. that it's it's a genre in itself it's a it's a stylized genre in itself you know of the way the way they're done and i think you know the director does achieve that in moments yeah and there's a lot of stereotypical characters uh you know i would probably go maybe 7.5 i think okay um and some of the sim- i mean the, the the night stuff 
looks great, really stylized, but sometimes it just it doesn't work. And I wouldn't be surprised if they shot that, you know, day for night, you know. Mm. All right, screenplay then. Mr. Encyclopedia Man. <laughs> yeah. What you got for me? The one thing I thought was interesting about the screenplay yeah. is just how fast things progressed. To me, I don't know, I found yeah. it... It is somewhat formulaic, but at the same time, it's kind of surprising how quickly it gets to its destination. So within the first, it's like five or ten minutes, you know, his family is killed, you know. To me, that blows my mind, how you can establish this so quick. This is like five, you know, it's it's almost like, Mm. I don't know, ten minutes in, yeah, his family's killed. In the next mm-hmm. five minutes after that, he's killed their murderers, or less than that. I thought that was going to be the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's killed their murderers in, like, the first yeah, five minutes. Yeah, definitely. In ten minutes after that, so you've got maybe 25 minutes to 30 minutes in the film, uh, the bad guy's introduced, who's now hunting him, yeah? And I thought, oh, okay, so the film is going to be him yeah. hunting him. In the next five minutes, he's captured, you know? So I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like... Yeah, to me, this just seemed like entire episodes, you know, just done in like 10 minutes. I was like, wow, this this film is really going for it. So to me, that kind of um, surprised me from, a, uh, uh, I suppose, a screen story yeah, point I of view. Agree, you know. Because, you know, I suppose, yeah, maybe in, in real life, if a guy uh, kidnaps your family on a, on a coach, I mean, maybe it wouldn't get that far. And I don't know. It mm. just happened so quickly. Like... <laughs> The setup of the film, like, I was yeah, 40 minutes in and I was like, where the hell is this going to go? Literally, he's captured, tied to a uh-huh. pole. Yeah, and then his brother dies in, like, the next 10 minutes. It's, like, so much in in, in such a short mm. period of time. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot. It was more than I was expecting. The film is quite short, though. It's, like, an hour and a half or something. Yeah. But it gets through a lot of plot very quick. There's no fat on the bones in this film at all, you know. it's There's no overly long scenes at all you know yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly it, it moves along really quick yeah it really just cuts to the chase it's like um even when you know the bad guy was like uh you first see him and he says you know as we were talking two hours you don't find i thought the rest of the film even might be the townspeople trying to find him in the next two hours it's like no the next mm. minute two hours have gone by and he just shoots them it's just it goes at such a pace yeah i think you're right there really isn't any, um, yeah, there isn't any meat on the, there isn't any kind of flack, there isn't any fluff, it's just, even like uh, there's offhanded yeah. thing when he's in the stagecoach with uh, the the guy that killed his wife, you know, before he obviously kills the wife, and he's talking about his wife, yeah. you know, because he, he's like, oh, I like a woman who doesn't talk, you know, stuff like that, about his wife, he's like, what the fuck, <laughs> and, it, and he's like... Um, yeah, my wife, uh, she doesn't talk much. She got a tongue cut out by engines. I thought that would be like a throwaway line, but she's an important character in like the next 20 minutes. Yeah, Madeline, Eva Green's character. I guess ultimately for me, the bad guys kind of win anyway because right at the end you see this big um, pull-out shot and you see all these oil mills mm. um, all dotted around the town. You know, it just becomes an oil farm kind yeah. of thing. Uh, at the end of this destroyed, burnt town. Hmm. Um, because obviously Delarue is helping these oil barons, railroad people, just buy up the town so they can just cover it with um, oil mills. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it is kind of a bit of a downbeat ending, even though, you know, John kills everyone and, he, you know, he runs off, in, runs off, rides off into the distance with Eva Green. You know, there's still a bit of like... Hmm of reality setting in there, you know, with the fact that, you know, with the industrial revolution, you know, this, nothing will stop this. No no matter how much killing happens, there's always going to be some other guy with a lot of money to buy up all this oil. Yeah. Which I found quite interesting with that shot at the end. What did Hmm. you think about that? Yeah, I think that's uh, largely true. It's, um, yeah, 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 I agree with that. It, 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 you did get the sense, like, you know, the bad guy, it, this is more of a personal thing for him, but he is working with bigger, badder people, yeah. you know, and you, you uh, see a short scene yeah. with him when he's talking to them and he's uh, collecting deeds everywhere, you know, so, you know, they've probably got a lot of guys doing this and mm. it's, it's a kind of more nefarious scheme. Mad Mickelson's even uncovers that. Again, it's just the, the Breck, the, breakneck speed of the you know every scene is very important you know it's like uh yeah but when he yeah. um corners is it the 
Is it the mayor who's also like the undertaker or something? Jonathan Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, the sheriff is almost like a priest as well. I don't know. It's like they've got a combined job. So I don't know. The economy. Oh, Douglas Henshaw. Yeah, fucking love Douglas Henshaw. I uh, watch um, when he when it was on um, Shetland, like a crime BBC TV show. He's amazing in that. Oh, okay, uh, it's just really great to see him in a movie like this. Yeah, Douglas Henshaw. Yeah, that's right. Check um, that. Yeah, he's he's a really interesting character. He's 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 a bit of a you know a yes man, I guess, to um, Delarue, and, and very much like a, a cowardly type character, yeah. I would say. Because there's a line when he's talking to John while he's in custody, and he, and he says, "Sometimes uh, you got to sacrifice a single sheep to save the rest. I'm just a shepherd guarding his flock." Mm. You know, and it's kind of just like he's saying, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to die to save the rest of them. You know, there's nothing I can do, which in reality in the film, it's not the case. It's just, you know, grow some balls, get some men with arms and get rid of this Daru family, you know? Yeah, I I don't know. Which is ultimately what John does. Yeah, it is what he does. With only a kid next to him. Yeah, and he does tell the sheriff to to piss off, basically. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he's very... um, I suppose self-righteous, quite sanctimonious. He, I thought he was like just the town preacher, but he is the sheriff. Um, but he does speak in a very, you know, godly, holier-than-thou way. Um, but you can tell, yeah, mm. even by his face, talking to Daru, mentioning Daru, seeing Daru, he's very, mm. he's very scared of him. And I guess this film certainly does have references to Catholicism, you know, and religious aspects, which... Certainly, Italian spaghetti westerns certainly do use a few times from Sergio Leone, you know, because John, you know, he gets cap, he gets, you know, put into custody in in jail, but then, uh, you know, he's strung up and you know basically left for dead. And mm. when his brother Peter dies, you know, he's in an even more worse situation. He's nearly, you know, he could die in that moment, and if he doesn't find. Um, another homestead to drink from the well, but he doesn't drink from it anyway because it's all full of oil, um, you know. And then he, you know, he builds himself back up, I guess, to to take them all down. It's a very like simple storytelling device which westerns often use, and it's it, I found it quite a nice storytelling device that they carry on with in this film. There is some great humor in this film as well. Like Henry murders three people, and then Henry um, like doubles the price of protection in the town, and he says to jonathan price the mayor are we in agreement he's like and he's like yes yes of course yes and then he, then uh morgan says i thought we might be you know <laughs> so deadpan and dry it's like after he just kills three people yeah you know so nonchalantly yeah um, he's quite threatening uh, what was it he quite he, he really loves like his uh his brother's uh widow uh eva mm, green or madeline yeah yeah, yeah. madeline you know, he's always talking a very, you know, like princess, da 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 da. Uh, yeah, he sleeps with her and stuff like that, and just wants her. And it's like, you know, uh, you could tell how much I've wanted you, I suppose. And then when she leaves and he catches her again, he's like, uh, to his men, I thought that was quite threat. Where he's like, um, one of the guys, the French footballer or whatever, like touches Eric her face. Yeah, <laughs> touches her face, and he goes, um, oh, you know. It looks like uh, oh yeah, <laughs> looks like you're uh, you're in luck or whatever. Luck has saved you. So all you guys, when you're finished with her, you know you can each have a turn and then slit her throat, and you're like, oh fucking hell. But um, he says yeah. that quite, you know, again, just cold. Just, you know, yeah, yeah, just a dirty oh, man. Yeah, almost like a little sort of um, smirk on his face, like a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric Cantona does get one like fun moment when uh, they bring. John out into the street and he and he's met. Yeah, this uh, is my this is my I think favorite line in the thing. I thought it was quite. <laughs> and funny. he and he asks him, "Oh, did you did you fight in a war?" And he's like, "Who was your enemy?" Um, Ger- Germans. And he says, "Germans, you have my respect." <laughs> yeah, and punches <laughs> him, him in, in the, the stomach. stomach. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, a terrible French accent. I just yeah, did. that was awful. I did. I was practicing, but I uh, fucked that up. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Eric <laughs> Cantinot. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just so funny every time I, I think of it, I'm like he's a fucking footballer what the hell is he doing in this film <laughs> he's not Vinnie Jones Christ. Yeah, no. what was it did you watch um, John Wick 3 yeah yeah you know in the library uh, that that guy's a basketballer 
the big oh, guy. He? Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know basketball, oh. so but I saw this afterwards on like YouTube and and clips of him doing basketball. He was just yeah. a regular basketballer. He just He's like seven to be foot or something. Isn't he? Yeah. Well, something I think ridiculous. most basketballers are. Right? You know, if you're a <laughs> yeah. six foot basketballer, you're a short man. You know, you're a fucking mm. midget or something. But my favorite line, oh. which um, made me completely laugh out loud, <laughs> is when. Peter Jansen, uh, he sat against the bar. He goes to sit against the bars and he says, well, some of this of his monologue I'll read out. And he says to the guy uh, in the jail, sorry to turn my back on you, but the view is better from here. (laughs) Got you pretty good, didn't I? I mean, you were ugly before I knocked your teeth out. But now I hope you've got a woman that loves you because you ain't going to find one with that face. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes on and on like that. Yeah, um, the M is a bit rude, so I won't read that. But um. yeah, the guy gets so pissed off, he comes to beat the shit out of him. And he, yeah, yeah I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> just, I thought that was good. Just quite a clever use of writing, just to yeah, no, it is his infuriate brother. this character to get you know to try and yeah. hit him to get close to him so he can you know knock him out. Yeah, that was my favorite line from uh, Peter. That was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. You got a favorite line? Um, yeah, probably the the you know. Wars against Germany thing. I thought that was quite funny. You know, oh yeah, Germany wars. Yeah. Germans, you have my respect. Yeah, Germans, you have. My... Yeah, I quite <laughs> like that. Quite cool. Screenplay score. Yeah, uh, I I might put this quite high, I suppose, because um, yeah. I quite liked it. So maybe like an eight point eight point five. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I go as high as that. I think. I quite like the references to, you know, religious Catholicism, mm. you know, kind of referring back to Sergio Leone films. That was interesting. And, and the whole, um, oil industry developing in America at the time, which is nothing new in Westerns. They, I think certainly they've covered that. Both of those subjects are a hell of a lot better in other films. But why I picked this, it's just nice to see a film like this, a Danish Western with Mads Mikkelsen as the hero. As an anti-hero, you know, it's just really cool mm. to see in uh, 2014 it came out. So, yeah, I think I'll probably go 7.9. All right, acting. I think the acting on the stagecoach is actually really good, um, right from the off, from the actors. You feel the tension and the awareness uh, right from the first moment they get on the coach. And the moment where Marie gets dragged over by uh, Paul Delarue, played by Michael Raymond James, um, you think there's no way John can really save his family and the terror on his face is quite quite remarkable, really. It's just like, oh, shit, how am I going to get out of this? And, you know, ultimately he gets kicked out of the out of the coach. He's just got so much range, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. He's really extraordinary. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. One thing that made me laugh, we, we're not recording video on this, but Eric Cantona's first like close shop shot, I found quite funny because it, it just looked like he's just overacting so much. <laughs> and it's like, he, like you know, when early on in the scene where Delarue just kills those three people, you got there's a shot of him on Cantona where he's just got like the corner of his mouth like right up to his eye or something, <laughs> you know, like he's got an itch in his mustache. I'm just like, oh my god, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of... You know, just look a little bit pissed off. Don't, you know, do that. <laughs> it just looks odd. Yeah. I really liked Either Green's performance in this. She 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 communicates so much in her acting, because obviously she's pretty much mute in this yeah. uh, story. And the introduction to her is really great. She's clearly, like, mourning the death of her husband, and Henry uh, says to her that, he will avenge the death of her husband. But then Green like slowly turns around and puts her finger to her lips just to tell him to be quiet. And then right there, you're like, yeah, she's got some sort of authority over him. You know, she won't take too much shit at all. Mm. Certainly in that moment, because obviously Jeffrey D. Morgan wants to be with her. You know, he wants her to be his woman. Mm. So it's just quite a nice moment from Eva Green of, of power, if you will. Or, or attempt at power um, towards Dean's character, Delarue. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I really like uh, the bad we, guy. I thought yeah. he was just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan just has this great presence and demeanor about yeah. him that every time he enters the room, he's he's the bomb, you know. Yeah. He, well, the bomb. <laughs> you know, he's, he's the big presence in the room and everyone's looking at him. I think, you know, the costuming in this film is amazing. I... 
I love. I want all those clothes. You <laughs> well, know. even the dresses, <laughs> especially his jacket. Even the black dresses and the. Yeah, why not? Yeah, fuck it. those. Corsets, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll um, be a good collection for me. Skin dresses as well, <laughs> you know, and all that. <laughs> Buffalo. From last bro. week. Um, oh my god! No, I'm joking. Seriously, I'm joking. Yeah, stop doing the weird dance. <laughs> Put your clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, just the costuming is amazing. Yeah, and I said before, I want that coat. I want it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I just like his energy. He's always... um, It just looks like he's having a hell of a good time. (laughs) You know, it's like he likes being really bad, you know. And uh, I do think... I agree with you. There's a presence of him. There's just like an authority, you know. And we talked a little bit about Peter's death, as you see, because John, when Peter frees John, you know, they, they're on the run and uh, Peter leaves him and he said, I'll be back soon. And obviously, as we've said in, on this podcast before, don't say that because you ain't going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, it, when, when it gets to the next morning, John sees a group of riders coming across and he hides behind a rock and he sees, he gets a glimpse of someone being dragged behind by horses and he sees that it's his brother Peter, you know, flat on his face being dragged along by these horses and there's a shot on his face, you know, it just completely drops, he just changes his expression so quickly and it's just so well done from Maz Mickelson, you know, because that shot of on Peter is quite quick. There's no 100% clarity there is John, you know, for me. But you know immediately from from Mads Mikkelsen, from his expression, from Mads Mikkelsen's expression, that it is him, you know. It is his brother because of his face. You just know it's written all over his face. Yeah. You know, it's a great, great moment from him. Do you like that bit as well? Yeah, 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 100%. And I agree with you. You know, I wasn't exactly sure who I was seeing being dragged, you know, because he's being dragged face first, like he's just... Yeah. But yeah, you can absolutely tell, you know. Yeah, camera looks at him, he looks absolutely horrified. So what's your favourite performance then? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I love the guy that played Peter, especially uh, when he talks that the smack of that sheriff, I thought that was great. Um, I like Mads Mikkelsen in it, uh, I agree with you, like he goes through a range of emotions, you feel very sorry for him and, you know, very worried for him as well. Um, yeah. I will say I do prefer the you know the bad guy um yeah uh, jeffrey dean morgan yeah western morgan uh western negan um <laughs> yeah uh i just yeah it's just something about his energy you know mm. it's just i don't know he's just he's just really entertaining to watch it's a really good cast this yeah to be fair. yeah Jonathan price eva green yeah, yeah, Wilson, yeah jeffrey dean morgan and eric Cantona. yeah <laughs> a lot of really good performances yeah so i think i'd put him on the top for me, it's between Mads, Eva Green, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And I think I'll probably go the same, actually, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, because he just, you can tell he's really enjoying himself. He, and he knows that he doesn't need to do too much. So I think if he plays it, you know, with too much expression, it's, the character won't work, you mm. know, certainly in this genre. So, and he certainly recognizes that. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Jeffrey Dean Morgan as well. So what's your acting score, Mr. Encyclopedia Man? Um, I might, uh, I'm trying to think, I'll give it an 8.8. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go like 8.3, I think. And also with, with uh, Eva Green, I think the fact that she literally has no lines, possibly not the most wise choice these days to give a woman no, you know, your your main lead actress to have no lines. But at the same time, it's it's... It's a really, it liberates the character a bit of of like yeah I gotta act your ass off to to, <laughs> yeah. to to you know get the storytelling across um, which I think she does amazingly so yeah eight point three I'll go for for acting All right let's add up the scores then for the salvation the salvation gets forty eight point two nice. <laughs> Right, uh, let's move on then to my uh, your pick, it's not my, my pick. pick. <laughs> yeah, we did your pick. Yeah. Yes, I picked both of them. <laughs> so, what is your pick? You um, oh, oh, yeah, I haven't even said it's a mystery. Um, <laughs> it's called The Hunt. Yeah, from 2012, not the recent one from uh, last year. Yeah, which is an American one that 
was quite controversial, but this is from Thomas uh, Vinterberg, um, and he's uh, releasing a new film as well with with Mads Mikkelsen uh, as well, which he has. Uh, he could get some Oscar nominations for that, which is another round. So that that that'll be interesting to see from Thomas Vinterberg and Mads Mikkelsen. So basically, the film is about um, a kindergarten teacher called Lucas, played by Mad Mikkelsen. Who gets on really well with the children? It's just like the—he's the most fun teacher ever. You know, he's just playing around. He's <laughs> yeah. just being cool. And a uh, one of the little girls who is uh, the daughter of his best friend, Clara. Uh, Claude Clara. She basically has like a crush on him, and uh, she's <laughs> she's very small. Um, she must be like three or four, right? Yeah. When they're playing around at kindergarten, he uh, kisses her. Uh, she kisses him. Him. Yeah. Let's not get that yeah. the uh, the wrong way around. He is a completely innocent guy. There's nothing yeah. bad about this dude whatsoever. But she kisses him, and uh, of course he freaks out, understandably, and uh, tells her off. And it's like you, you're not allowed to do that. That's wrong. In a nice way. In a it? nice way. He doesn't yeah. go off the handle. He's like, it's only your mummy and daddy. You don't ever do that. But she gets kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, quite sad about it. Yeah. And uh, there was like a previous scene where he's in a house because um, him and his friend are like organizing a trip and stuff. And it's all this chaotic stuff going on. Their kids are playing, you know, his son and her brother. So his friend's son. And uh, they're watching like porn on this camera phone or oh, something. Yeah, and he's, she sees and, it. Yeah, and yeah. she sees a bit of it by accident. So, so she's feeling quite rejected. So when she has to go home and one of the other teachers uh, called uh, Greta or whatever, uh, was it Greta? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks her what's wrong. And she's like, I don't like Lucas anymore. The uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character. Oh, what's wrong with him? Oh, I just don't like him anymore. You know, and she says something like about he's got a a penis like a rod or something. Yeah. A big, ro- a big rod. Yeah, a penis like a big rod, and he's like, "What the fuck did you say?" She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't react like you can see. It's more nuanced of like, that's a strange yeah. thing to say. I think over the yeah. course of the film, it stews in her brain like, "What the hell?" And then this lie, you know, just gets bigger and bigger. It gets in people's heads, and it goes from there, basically. Yeah, this this one's really interesting, certainly with the cam. Well, in all aspects, I think for me, in, in directing, acting, and screenplay, there's some really interesting things to talk about. Mm. Let's go with directing first, as as always. And there's another close-up shot of Lucas when he sees a man uh, walking into the to the kindergarten to meet uh, Greta, the boss, and it's really effective because they actually use a wide lens, so you kind of it captures what wine lenses do when when you use a close-up shot on an actor you get more of their face and more of the back you get basically get more of everything mm. you know and it, it, it's certainly really effective in this case because it, it just expresses so much of of Mads Mikkelsen's anxieties um in this situation in this film there's a lot of uh shots which seem like quite handheld which uh to me i think it makes it feel a lot more real it's more like uh, like it's a it's an actual thing that's going on. The story is even quite grounded, so you know I think that's a mm. it's a good choice to not make it like too cinematic and not too flashy. Just make it fairly down to earth, fairly fairly gritty, you know. So shots I really liked where he had to bury his dog. I mean, yeah, oh, that, that was yeah. that was pretty. I think that's up. probably my favorite scene actually. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think I would agree. It's like it's super. Like the dog is built up through the entire film. Uh, everybody loves this Fanny. fucking dog. Yeah, <laughs> Fanny. Everybody loves this bloody dog. It's always around, you know. It's always play- he's always with it. And then some guy throws a brick through his window. Mm. And this is after yeah. he's been like acquitted, you know. Yeah. And then uh, they go out, and there's a body bag, and it's like unzips it, and you know, just freaks out. And there's some yeah, I was out, yeah. so pissed off. Yeah. I wanted to get. Go through the screen and fucking yeah. join Marcus. Exactly. And just like, Let's kill this bastard. No, man, I, I would have gone, so gone, like, so gone so far. I'd have gone so far. The dog didn't do anything. I, I what are you doing? I'm just saying, I would have burnt that whole fucking town to the ground. <laughs> just everybody. Yeah. You know? John Wick their ass. John Wick yeah. the whole fucking thing. <laughs> you know, I'd just kill everybody. Kill, you yeah. know, the men, the women, 
Scissor kick Clara in the head. You know, kill people, <laughs> that's that's fine. But kill the dog, absolutely not. Yeah, no, you're, you're going to die, man. You're going to die. But I loved, actually, the the directional choices in leading up to that um, scene. Yeah, but when he's doing it in the say, rain as well, that, that shot-wise, I think that's amazing. Yeah, because, um, as you said, Lucas comes home, and he's with Marcus, his son, that joins him. And they're just talking in the, in the kitchen, you know in wide shots and then all of a sudden there's just just this shot on the window and you're just like oh why have we got a shot on the window and then boom the rock goes straight through and it's just like the director's like yeah a brick's gonna come through in a minute you know i'm just giving you (laughs) (laughs) pre-warning that's what i got from it anyway and you're just like oh why oh shit (laughs) and it's so surprising because it's kind of like a double bluff of yeah um if you will like because normally you'd have that in a wide shot or a bit more coverage um i would say a bit more suspense building but the only suspense building is literally three or four three or four seconds you know of a fairly tight shot on the window and then the brick comes through i've never really seen that before i thought it's really clever especially it comes at a point where narratively about the last five minutes of the film uh you you think the worst is behind them you know you have all of these yeah. these rumors. He's broken up with his girlfriend. Um, you know his uh, his son is in a state. His friends hate mm-hmm. him. Just everything's going absolutely tits up. He's been hauled off to to jail. You know he's going to court. All of this stuff. And then it's like for that previous five minutes, he's been acquitted. He's coming home. He's seeing his son. He's cooking with his friends. He's you know everything's great. And so they're just chilling and having fun. And then bang, you know, yeah, so. And then it gets a lot worse from there on out. It's just yeah. a lot worse. Because um, um, it doesn't matter what the law might say. Like Everybody still 100% believes he's a paedophile. So, yeah. I really liked the end, actually, um, that last shot. It made me jump out of my skin. Everyone's happy families again. Mads Mikkelsen is welcomed again. Because it's like four years later or something. Mm. Mads Mikkelsen is, is joined back into... Yeah. I, I don't think it might be as much as four years. It might be a year later. Oh yeah, something yeah, like that. Because otherwise, the little girl would be like double her age. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, and then he's basically hunting on his yeah. own, and then because sudden... his son is finally a man, he goes for his first yeah, hunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry, don't and then, and then all of a sudden, um, someone takes a shot at him, mm. and it, and you know that it was just so shocking. I, I did not expect that at all. You know, again, I nearly lobbed my phone through the window. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think um, you know, there's kind of a running yeah. theme actually. Like two of the most shocking parts of the film come at the halfway mark and right at the end, and both yeah. at periods where you think everything's settled down. Like the first half is like, oh man, this is this is stressful, and then mm. halfway through the film, you're like, okay, this is over. And then somebody tries to kill him, you know, and then kills his dog. You're like, yeah. whoa. And then at the end, everything seems to be sorted. He's, it seems like in the first half, he's won the legal battle. And in the second mm-hmm. half, he's won, you know, hearts and minds. You know, his friend doesn't believe yeah. that shit about him anymore. All of his friends are cool yeah. with him now. I think that was bollocks. He doesn't hold a grudge to the little girl. I thought that was really touching. Where he's yeah. like, he, you know, helps her... Uh, you know, he holds her like for the first time. Yeah, know, so. I, I, when I watched that, I did. I was, I still felt uncomfortable when she, when he picked her up. Yeah, because in that moment, like no one is watching. You know, I just felt like if someone came in at that moment, you know, during it's like a little party scene. Mm. If someone came in, like how would they react? Yeah, you know, you, you don't know. It's really interesting that the fact that they, you, you don't see that. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, you know the film obviously. It yeah. builds on this this idea of his, this kind of paranoia that I suppose he's got to live with, and you kind of get it as well. You yeah. feel very worried for him. You're like, ah, maybe don't say that or do this. You know, stay the fuck away from him. You know, have you seen that uh, comedy skit about Bill with Bill Burr and children? No. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Where he's like, uh, pedophiles have ruined it for everybody. It was back in the day. <laughs> You know, strange kid or whatever. You're like, ah, tussle his hair. Nowadays, it's like, get that fucking thing away from me. Get the fuck away from me. Just kicking children away. (laughs) But yeah, I I just found that, you know, the fact that, you know, someone from their hunting group still... Because it's like a warning shot, isn't it? When when someone takes a shot at him. Yeah, well, he reloads. Um, He reloads and then he's like... You can't yeah. even see him. He's looking right at him. I, I think it was effective yeah. of just him completely covered in shadow, but it's like, mm. you know, glaring. Yeah. 
and then the guy runs. Um, but but yeah. it, it kind of just shows you that no matter how many times he's proven not guilty, and the fact that pretty much everyone within that group likes him now and believes him now there's always going to be someone that's still like no he's a pedophile mm. i don't care i hate this dude mm. you know and it comes back to our conversation with jodie foster films with with contact this element of truth like truth and lies like you know with relationships how no matter how strong relationships are are you going to still believe them or not you know it kind of has similar themes there with that which i really really liked and it's just like no matter how much evidence and proof that you know mads has got to give there's still going to be someone that's like nah i don't believe you mm. you're a pedophile mm. you know and it's just it's really interesting that what did you think about that last shot you yeah know? yeah definitely it's, it is illuminating is the fact that mm. you th even you though he's literally completely innocent he is completely of anything innocent, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it just doesn't matter. It's like uh, you're not going to convince everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are going to be people that think he's oh, he's gotten away with it, you know. Um, I think what we do is, you know, we have obviously the benefit of seeing it from his point of view. And we know he's innocent. But yeah. if we didn't see it from his point of view, can any one of us say we wouldn't, like, still try and, like, bring, quote-unquote, bring him to justice? Again, you know, a lot of... Uh, it's, I'm not saying, like don't believe this guy or don't believe that guy or, you know, decide your own truth, I suppose. But, um, it's yeah. like even a lot of them are dead fast. Like, no, the kids are telling the truth. Kids never lie. Kids sometimes lie, you know, or maybe they're telling the truth. It's just impossible to know, man. It's just this th whole thing of this, this could happen to anyone. Yeah, of course. You know? I, I, I actually, what kind of really struck a chord with me is, um, a couple months ago, I was walking with a friend of mine. Yeah. It must be a couple months ago, walking with a friend of mine at night and some guy, uh, nearly, uh, this homeless guy nearly punched this other guy that was walking behind us, and he was yeah. threatening to kill him and stuff like that. So right. I don't know. We kind of interject to try and find out what's going on, and it turns out the the guy talked to us and he said somebody had been spreading a rumor that he he's a pedophile, and like almost okay. everybody wants to just kick his head in. Yeah, right. you know he would just be walking. You know, so I I don't know. Like I don't know the guy, so I don't know if no. he's telling the truth, but. You know, that struck a chord with me because I'm like, man, that would be fucking shit. You know, that would just piss me yeah. off. I would, you know, I want to burn the world down. And um, it, it's it's particularly troubling, you know, in these, you know, this this day and age because we know that these things occur and uh, uh, more and more people come out, uh, you know, with stories about this, which, you know, they should. But it changes the innocence of, of any kind of situation. You know what I mean? Mm. The fact that this happens means you're, Overguarded, you're 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 over aware of it. Like uh, I'm, I, I come from a very kind of. Uh, this is getting quite personal now, but I come from a quite loving family, you know. Yeah. Um, like you know, I hug my family. My family hugs me. I hug children. I hug. You know, I'm I'm quite. You know, this is just the the thing I'm in. You know, we're very loving. Yeah. yeah. And that used to be fine. You know, that used to be a hundred percent. You see everybody doing it nowadays. The more and more people you see, they think that's weird. You can't be too loving, yeah. You know, because now it's got this like negative connotation. And you see the the good guy here, Mad Mickelson. He's very much in that. You know, again, just yeah, I think loving uh, mindset of you know of like he wouldn't even consider something like that. I wouldn't even consider something like that unless I watch a film like this. You know, you just it doesn't cross your mind. And so he's very playful with the kids. You know, grab them up, toss them around, do whatever. Very loving. And that's, I suppose, what I would be like. But and it just makes me think. That's that's why I think this film really kind of hit me hard, because it's yeah. like if I had that sort of reaction just for for being uh, like like I like you know I I just yeah I don't know that would just piss me off, man. That that's just yeah. mortifying. It's horrible that you know. And it's like I think the film certainly says at the end that uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character literally literally has to live with this for the rest of his life. That you know, looking over his shoulder that someone could take him out, you know, mm. um, for something he never did. Have you got a favourite shot at all? Uh, yeah, so him burying the dog in the rain. Oh, I right, thought that was yeah. the best one. Um, yeah. What's your uh, favourite? My favourite my favorite shot is probably the f a few moments before, right at the end, with, when someone takes a shot at him. There's, you know, when Lucas is walking down the ridge, um, you know, and there's the sun is coming down. It's just really nice. Uh, a silhouette's on him. It's just really beautifully shot, actually. 
Because you think it's just the film is winding down, you know, very calmly, and it's like, oh, the guy's just going to walk off into the sunset or whatever. But but then, boom, you know, the the, the someone takes a shot at him. Um, so directing, I would probably go with probably an eight point three. I think mm. it's really masterly directed by Thomas Vin- Vinterberg. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Definitely, just squeezes as much out of the actors and out of the, uh, yeah. the scenery as he can, and out of the tension and everything. Mm. It just feels very, yeah, just very great real. use of wide lenses in close-up shots, which you don't see very often, mm. and a mix of tripod stuff and 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 good handheld. Also, a good use of um, lighting, I think, as well. And I think it very much complements uh, whatever scene happens to be there. The scenes early on in the film are very bright um there's a lot of light you know and then it just gets it gets more dank and deary and gross like the the sort of worse areas of the film do you know what i mean yeah yeah um, i totally agree and yeah. i do think that kind of yeah it sort of brings out more yeah. uh, more of the uh you know more out of the film you know because uh, there's more, a moment like the, the title card comes up uh when it's christmas eve and like Mads mickelson is like all certainly in his living room and it's all very dark and he's just on his own on christmas eve and it just looks so depressing yeah yeah there's a lot um, of scenes, scenes yeah. like that yeah what score would you give for directing then yeah maybe like a 8.6 or something right screenplay then we've kind of covered yeah i think we've covered a lot of the screenplay i don't think there's much um case yeah. going over it too much we'll just go over like lines that we quite liked and then um... yeah i mean there is some there is some levity and some humor like right at the start when they're all like swimming in the lake and one guy jumps in and he says, shit, I have cramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he jumps in the leg, that was quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was quite a good Danish accent, I think. <laughs> 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 no, no, not, yeah, not even close. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's interesting when, uh, oh yeah, Fanny, that, the, the re- I think one of the reasons why we, why the audience and we love Fanny so much, the dog. I love lots of Fanny, man. <laughs> I love tons of Fanny. I really should have <laughs> thought about that before I said it. But Fanny the dog. Um, no, I don't like dog time... Fanny, just human, human <laughs> Fanny. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Right. The reason why we like the dog so much <laughs> is because, like, every time Kirsten is mentioned, you know, he barks a lot, which is quite funny. Hmm. Um, I, I like um, the, the flirting with him, him and his co-worker. She she's coming on really hard to him. I thought that was mm. quite funny. Um, I like the bit where she phones him, oh, yeah. and then is like, uh, <laughs> "Why don't you ever call me?" And he's like, "Well, I don't have your number." No, what was it? She says, "Look at your screen. What's the number there? That's yours. Okay, you have my number now." And he's like, mm. and then ha- she hangs up, and then he calls her, and he's like, "Hello," and she's like, "Who's this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really sweet. Yeah, I thought that was that was, that was adorable. I quite like the scene where fairly early on in the film where Lucas and his best friend uh, Theo have like a, a heated exchange uh, you know about the situation and Theo basically chucks him out mm. and then Clara says to his mum Agnes basically when she says oh to her mum oh I think she says something uh, foolish now all the kids are talking and it's just like her parents basically think she would never lie and her mum basically convinces Clara that no you Lucas definitely assaulted you mm. sexually and it's just because there's this this sense that you know that the mum Agnes just doesn't believe Clara at all because of this fact that which is drummed in to the script is that you know kids and Clara wouldn't wouldn't lie about this mm. thing that happened you know and his mum convinces Clara that you know that this is the truth we have to treat this seriously mm. but but she's literally just telling her, you know, no, I said something foolish. You know, if you actually just listened to her, this whole thing would have changed, yeah. you know. Well, it's kind of hard because out. even like the psychologist uh, says to, uh, no, was it the psychologist or was it Greta? I can't remember. Or Greta was told it by the psychologist and then said it to her, yeah. said it to Agnes, that she might deny it because she might be embarrassed yeah, yeah, of definitely. like what happened. But no, she's like ashamed that she made up something, so she's admitting to it. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it kind of spirals out of control. But yeah, no, that yeah. was a that was a good scene. You could tell. Uh, well, before Agnes came up, they were trying to have like a proper conversation. I did feel yeah so yeah. Um, 
Uh, it was very uncomfortable. You know, it's meant to oh, be. Yeah, it's definitely. meant to be. And you can tell the dad doesn't really want to get into it. It's just like, oh my god, this is too much. And then he basically loses it, yeah. you know, and chucks him out. Yeah. Well, Agnes first chucks him out, and then he goes off the rails. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like that riles him up. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, and then also uh, when when towards the last bit, uh, you know, some good line delivery when they, uh, well, you know, when he's at the the church, I thought that was really emotional and. Uh, he gets yeah. He starts crying, and then he can hear like Agnes talking to his friend, and he he basically is like just yelling at them, and then he punches him. You know, uh, certainly after that scene, my favorite couple of lines because um, obviously at that, at that point, um, Theo kind of is on the verge of believing him, but you're not really told that mm. um, clearly. But you kind of know uh, when. Theo smuggles some Christmas food to his house and he goes over to Lucas's place and uh, Lucas uh, says to him, oh, you know, and he's eating the food quite quickly and he says, it's very nice. Now you can go home if you like. And then Theo says quite slowly and calmly, um, no, actually, I'd like to stay for a while. It's just a great subtle way of saying, you know, he believes him now. He's going to he's going to be there for his best friend. He you know, he was wrong to not believe him. Mm. Um I thought it was just a really sweet moment from from both of those two actors. Yeah. Um it's really really touching for me. Mm. Have you got a favorite line? The only thing I can think of is where he he does get like properly assaulted in the uh you know, in the shop. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was uh, by the yeah. bloody Butcher. Yeah, the butcher. Yeah, because he wants the two. Bastard. He wants two chops of meat, <laughs> and the guy's like, "No," and he, he keeps like, "No, I'm getting two chops of meat," and he comes over and just you know floors him. him a headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, first Mad Mickelson gets the crap beaten out of him and then dragged yeah. out, and he keeps wanting the rest of his shopping. No, uh, I've got some shopping. They throw him out, and he just walks straight in, and they come and confront him. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I've got something to tell you. And then, bang, he just headbutts yeah, him in the yeah. nose. Well, no, he, he head, headbutts the guy, and then he says to someone else, can I get my stuff? Yeah, yeah, that was it. You know, yeah. really casually. I like that, yeah. Can I have my groceries? I've never seen... I like yeah. that. Yeah, that was it. Like, it's something, can I have my groceries, please? I've never seen a headbutt so satisfying. Yeah, that was a really satisfying. While. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So, screenplay, what are you going to give it? Um, um, oh, I'll go first, because yeah. it's yours. All right, you go first, then. Yeah, I, I really like it, to be fair. I think, again, you know, I just like this element of, of you know, the, this theme of truth and lies that certainly a few films that we've covered now. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Um, so I'd probably go 8.6, I think, yeah. for screenplay. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I might go something similar. Yeah, maybe like an 8.7. All right, acting then. First thing I've got to say... Love a load of drunk Danish guys, to be fair. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know, to be honest, that, was that an attempt at a Danish accent? Cause, no. No. It's my normal voice. Is that your normal voice? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say it's better than your Danish accent, but you know. All right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> it's closer to Danish than whatever the fuck you did like, a few minutes ago. <laughs> uh, I thought it was bloody good. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I expect all our listeners thinks it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hello, Harb, to the listeners, by the way. I heard most of them are from Hawaii or something. Yeah, we have a lot of a big, fairly big following in Hawaii. That is pretty cool. Which is, is, pretty which cool. is cool. In the beginning, there's a great moment from Susie Walls, who plays uh, Greta. Um, it's really great in the scene when, where the, the therapist is like um, questioning Clara and. And she kind of gradually, and the the shot it kind of like stays on on um, Greta a few times, and you you kind of see this gradual controlled look of disgust, and then it, and it and it's amazing when Clara keeps describing what what happened, you know, and then she just completely loses control and like throws up, mm. you know. It's just this great performance of just trying to keep her cool yeah. as much as she can. Um, until now, nah, I can't do it anymore. I gotta, oh, you know, throw up. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was quite a great piece of acting there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think uh, all around quite. You know, even minor characters get yeah. really good performances. His son does a really good job. Um, yeah, Marcus. Marcus, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he does a really good job. 
yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, his friend as well, uh, Clara's dad. There's, yeah, there's quite yeah. a lot of solid performances here. I mean, yeah, I lo- yeah, I love Marcus when he goes to Theo and Agnes's house, just because he, you know, he's locked out of his of of uh, Lucas's home, hmm. and you can tell on his face there's a lot of like, you know, uptight anger, and you know he lets it all out at the end hmm. of that scene, and and it's just it's it's really uncomfortable and just really remarkable like the anger he goes through, and, and he even like spits. At, spits at Clara yeah, I think yeah, it's just like whoa I think because there's that balance of just like yeah you're with Marcus then you're like oh shit I'm like actually hang on <laughs> yeah. is he going he's going way too far here. yeah you know it's it's quite remarkable that that scene actually of like yeah you're with Marcus and then all of a sudden you're like oh hang on a minute yeah I think though, sure. it's like <laughs> you know it, it's quite it's hard to be completely like non-sympathetic to most of the characters it's like yeah. do you know what i mean this like, whole situation I, is built on a lie it is and it, from a sweet little girl who did not mean to do any of this nonsense and no um and i suppose you know mark is losing his shit a bit it's like it is her fault really so maybe he would be like all that yeah yeah, right, yeah still yeah it's horrible. It is it's horrible. a horrible situation yeah. for everyone. Yeah, it's a horrible you know. situation. I mean, like, nobody gets spared. Uh, as I was saying, like, you even think of uh, yeah. Clara's dad. I mean, what the hell is he supposed to believe? And, you know, this is his best friend as well. And But things are getting so bad yeah. for uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Lucas, and that you're like, this is just unbearable. And it's like, it's hard to know. It's like, even when in the church scene, like, he's breaking down and he punches the guy. You're like... Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, you know, I can tell you're frustrated and it is kind of his fault, but he doesn't think he's doing the wrong thing here. And you just punched him in a mm. church. So it's like, yeah, let's talk about the church scene yeah. a bit more. I think I th- this is the scene of the film for me. Yeah. Uh, it absolutely extraordinary acting from both Mads Mikkelsen and Thomas Larson, who plays Theo, mm. just quite incredible. You know, it's just such an uncomfortable atmosphere Especially like when he grabs his face, he's like, "Look into my eyes." Theo is is just not reacting at all. He just, well, as much as possible, because in that moment he's just like, "Yeah, I think I'm with Theo here, but I don't want it. I don't want to admit, admit it to everyone in this room, you know." Because he doesn't react. He doesn't try and punch back. No. He just takes the punches and. But moments because there's this, there's this incredible looks that Mads and Thomas Larson give each other, and Thomas is just like really confused, you know, of of why is Mads here? What's going on? And mm. and Mads is basically just looking at him, just trying to look into his eyes, like where is he at? You know, where are, where are each of these cover, uh, characters at mm. in relation to each other? And it's just really interesting. And there's this there's a line that. Agnes says to Theo, and and she says, "Oh, what's wrong?" And then Theo says, "I can tell by looking at him." And then it cuts back to to Mads, and you're like, "Oh, what's he saying? And what's he? Actually, what does he mean by that?" And it's just a really ambiguous question mm. that says, "Does Theo believe him now?" You know, and the looks between them, as I said, is just so powerful. Mm. Um, and then as you know, they confront, and yeah, it, in that moment, you're like, "Yeah, Theo." believes him now i mm. think did you get that sense as well yeah I, I got a sense of yeah theo theo came around he he kind of knows um mm. but you know he's in a he's in a uh, you know it's a rough situation it's like not only admitting it trying to explain to his wife it or whatever just this feeling and then you know ultimately he's gotta have this view that oh uh, well i suppose my my little girl who I said would never lie is lying. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite a lot he's going through at this moment. And also, you know, feeling sympathy for his friend who is just cut up. He's in like, you know, he's been punched. He's been beaten. His dog's dead, you know, mm. and uh, looking at him all on his lonesome. There's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, and just incredible acting. Mads is, yeah. is breaking down as well. I think even like, I think before he breaks down, he has like, like a little chuckle, like, you know, this is just fucking crazy. You know, yeah. so there's just a whole range of emotions. You're like, what is going on? And yeah, yeah. it just, uh, you know, it was going to happen. But yeah, he confronts his friend in a very matter of fact, mm. 
Yeah, grabbing him basically and slap, slapping the crap yeah. out of him, just like see what he's trying to get a reaction out of yeah. him. He's just like, believe me, yeah, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> Tell everyone here, just believe me, Christ, you know. Yeah. yeah, acting score for me. I'm gonna put this very high. I think this for me, this is the strongest element of the film. The I mean, the actors in this are incredible. Mm. So I'm probably gonna go like nine point six. I think yeah. for acting. Yeah, I think that's a uh, just pretty good one. Mads Mikkelsen, I don't think I've ever seen a performance like this from him in any film that he's done. Um, in- incredible yeah. for me. 9.6. Yeah. He goes through the entire spectrum like a, a couple of times, actually. You know, definitely <laughs> yeah. feel like you've gone through the ringer. Two times over. Yeah. You're like, Jesus Christ, man. So, yeah, yeah. I think maybe I'd go like a, yeah, like a 9.4 or something like that. Favorite performance? Uh, Mads. Um, yeah, yeah, same. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. I think he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think, right, um, yeah, I think, you know, as I said on. before, a lot of really solid performances. I think especially the other two, I think the two standout ones for me, besides Mads, are, you know, his friend, you know, uh, Clara's um, dad. He's definitely high up on that list, and Marcus. But Mads, I think, tops that list. Right, let's add up the scores then for The Hunt. Which has nothing to do with hunting, by the way. I was expecting, I suppose, this hunting at the <laughs> end. Yeah, really. Actually, um, I knew nothing about this film going in, which is unique uh, yeah. with films to me because I spoil the hell out of them. Like I know <laughs> them inside and out before I've actually watched them. And with yeah. a title like this, I thought it was him and his friends go to a hunting trip and then they get hunted or something. It's got but it's kind of like this um, subconscious hunting, if you will, yeah. like, from all these characters. They just want to... Yeah. You know they 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 cut well they they very much cast him out they they you know they chuck him out of the grocery store and yeah. they don't want anything to 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 do with him but really they want to just yeah. hit the guy yeah and, you know it's yeah it's definitely horrible. like he's the he's the deer in this situation he's just yeah. being absolutely like because literally just like a deer I suppose he's a he's done nothing he's he's minding his own business yeah <laughs> he's completely innocent yeah right. Uh, the score for The Hunt is 53.2, so The Hunt wins this one from The Salvation pretty convincingly, yeah. <laughs> and as The Salvation only got 48.2. <laughs> the Hunt wins this week. Next week, we'll be talking Zack Snyder films, as there's, I don't know, there's just this little independent four-hour film um, that's coming onto the internet. I don't know, it features like Batman and... I, some guy called Superman as yeah. well. Some few other friends. Um, a lot of people very obsessed with this. I think <laughs> for some reason I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it Amazing Woman is in it as well? And yeah, the fish. Or the fish. The fli- yeah, yeah, fish. Yeah, the fish. The fish or something. <laughs> Whatever. And a mar and a Martian. Yeah, and a Martian. And yeah. Oh my god! I'm so excited to finally see Martian <laughs> Manhunter on the big yeah. screen. I think he's only going to be in it like uh, wow, small screen. <laughs> well, small screen. Yeah, I suppose. But like maybe he's just going to be in it for like thirty seconds or whatever. But you know it's cool that he's going to be in the uh... yeah yeah same. I'm quite yeah. So as uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is uh, will be hitting uh, HBO Max for for American audiences um, over here. I think it'll be Sky Cinema Sky Store or something. You know VOD with with a price attached to it. Um, so yeah, Zack Snyder films for next week. Mm. Thank you, Boaz, as always. I'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. That's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to find out more about the podcast or suggest future topics for us to discuss related to upcoming releases, let us know on Instagram at Film vs. Film Podcast or on Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. Remember, please subscribe. Pod signing off. Thank you.